0: you. (laughs) Glory to God. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. As we lift our voice, we thank you, Lord. As praises go up, glory comes down. We thank you, Lord, for the reign of the Spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit filling this place, filling the whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are our champion. You are the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave. And your victory is our victory. And we thank you and we praise you and we magnify you. Jesus, Jesus, we glorify you this morning for you're great and you're greatly to be praised. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for this day that you've made for us. It's our day. It's not the day of the enemy. It's not the day of political leaders. It's the day of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We command powers of darkness to stand back and stand down as we arise as the church and stand up to take our place. That you have a plan for the gospel to go forth by and through your church. So we thank you for empowering each one As your word comes forth, you said it has the power to bring healing and deliverance as we embrace it and believe it. So we thank you for doors of utterance being opened this morning to speak as we ought to speak. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this place, in every room where people are watching right now as the anointing to break every yoke of bondage. Deliverance once and for all. Not just in a moment, but once and for all. Never to return again to yokes of bondage. Worry, stress, addiction. Free for whom the sun has set free is free indeed. We thank you for healing power. We thank you in this room, in hospital rooms, in homes the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is quickening mortal bodies by the power of God driving out sickness and disease recreating things that need to be recreated working miracle and miraculous power to restore and to heal and to stand upright those who have been uh, bedridden we thank you that that anointing within begins to attack cancerous cells by the life of God and drive them out. That the body begins to produce the cells that bring life and strength to override and to undo what the enemy has wrought. We thank you, Father, in every situation that lesions stop growing. They stop in their activity. And even what they said could not do, they begin to recede until they are 100% gone. And freedom of movement and nervous system and, and muscles are restored in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for strengthening Wayne right now in his inner man by the Spirit of God. Inside-out healing, miracle-working power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your healing power moving throughout this room. Restoration. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're moving even in the minds of individuals. We don't think of it. We think of it mental. But many times there's an imbalance of chemicals. So we thank you for bringing a balance right now to the chemicals of the brain that thought processes are restored. Clear thinking, clarity of thinking, clarity of emotions, reversing that which the enemy has wrought. Bringing that balance within the brain. Physical healing. We think of it as mental, but it's even physical to bring about the mental restoration. We thank you for it. We praise you this morning. You are our champion. The one who defeated death, hell, and the grave that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise and the thanksgiving. For everything that will be accomplished in every heart, every life, every body, every emotion. We glorify you and magnify you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Man, it's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be serving God. Amen. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We are glad that you are with us today. Meeker Campus, we're glad that you're here and with us this morning. I believe God has some tremendous things for us. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Why don't you give the worship team a big hand? Praise the Lord. They continue just to lead us into worship. And most of you probably do not know this, but Todd here, who's playing the guitar, he commutes from Grand Junction. Praise the Lord. And he played last week. He usually he gets on the schedule like every other week, but you he were here two weeks in a row. And that means he comes on Wednesday from Grand Junction to practice, and then he comes again on Sunday. Praise the Lord. So give him a big hand, just his dedication, uh, really his dedication to serve God, but also to serve you all in bringing worship. It's powerful. And uh, again, we want to thank our sound team and and our media team, you know, praise the Lord. Thank them. You know, sometimes you only notice them when things don't sound good and when things don't go up on the screen, but there is so much that goes on around all of that. Uh, that you do not know. And so we always get the blessing when it sounds good and when all the the, the scriptures go up and all that. And so when you think about that, just think, man, I'm so thankful for those guys. Instead of when it glitches, like what's wrong with those guys? Uh, Man, there's stuff There are spiritual forces that work in electronics uh, sometimes. And so we are so thankful and grateful. I just have a a couple of announcements here. Really, I think just one. But uh, uh, on Wednesday, March 30th and 31st, you know, our mission here is to love, lift, and reach people. We get an opportunity to reach out. Uh, Melo and Deborah are moving from Rifle to Newcastle on uh, Wednesday night and Thursday morning. And so if you can help them move, Um, uh, contact John, Point Dexter, John, stand up. John's kind of heading this up. And so he can give you whatever information you need. If you can just come Wednesday night, not Thursday morning, looking for some trucks and and some things to help uh, help them move. And it'll just be a great blessing to them and um, give us an opportunity to just reach out a little farther beyond our four walls, be a blessing and walk in the love of God. So you can get a hold of John right there right after service and uh, he'll help you get set up and be nice if we just had they're all packed up. so if we just had enough, we'd load it up and maybe even get done Wednesday night. Amen. And they'd be glad then they don't have to move again Thursday morning. They could be unpacking and doing whatever uh, they need to do. Amen. Praise the Lord, well, open your Bibles with me to Hebrews the fifth chapter. Uh, we began a a series of messages, really a a number of weeks ago. We haven't spent uh, because of guests and us being gone, different things. Haven't really uh, gotten into it as as deep as we'd hoped to in this many weeks. But uh, God has been giving us great things and uh, causing us to. Move forward, but we have entered a series of messages that we've called foundations, and and we are building. You know, as the song said in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, uh, As he asked people, Who do you who do men out there say that I am? and and they gave a bunch of answers. Then, then he really brings the, the question right at home to the disciples, which again, we can look out there, people can have all kinds of opinions about Christian life, they can have all kinds of opinions about Christianity. And we want to we wanna change that with the truth. But Jesus is saying, people out there have all kinds of thinking about me, but you are my disciples. Who do you say that I am? And really, when it comes down to our own spiritual growth and for us to understand as a church what we're building upon to have this eternal life, to have a God-kind of life, to really have a, a an outreach and an extension to others, we have to determine. Who do we say that he is? And so Peter pipes up above all the disciples. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven You know, every single time that we come together, we look at the word, we're asking God to open up and reveal things to us because once they've been revealed, faith begins to take a hold and and nothing that the enemy does can take away from you revelation knowledge. And so he says, by this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. And when I build my church on this revelation knowledge, this revelation which produces faith in your heart, a substantial faith in your heart, the gates... Of hell will not prevail against it. And so, as he's building a corporate church, a a broad church, a worldwide church, and he's building local churches within that, he's building local churches of individual members. And the principle spreads out, and then it comes back to us individually that God, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, is building lives. Right? He's building lives because the church is built of living stones. You are a living stone fit together in this building, this habitation that we call the church, where God resides in that anointing that it grows and it increases. So, what is of the building of the church is the building of the individual stones of the church. And so he says, when you individually begin to have a revelation, He begins to build something in you, a transformation and change that the devil cannot stand against. That the devil cannot, even though he will oppose it, he cannot win. And so when we have a revelation that Jesus came to save us, not just that he existed, but what he did in his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. What he was doing was creating an avenue for us to break loose from the power of sin and begin to live in a relationship with God and build a different kind of life and a different quality that is essential, right? It's essential to really experiencing What Jesus did for us that we recognize who we were that when he died we died with him when he was buried we were buried with him when he was raised we were raised to a newness of life with him and when he ascended on high to that place of authority he gave us authority over all the power of the enemy And so when somebody says, do you believe in Jesus? If you think, well, yeah, I believe he existed. We want to expand your thinking about that. Because when you say you believe he existed, the Bible says even the devil believes that he existed. But when we believe that his existence means so much more to us, that what he did when he came to the earth and died and and was buried, raised from the dead, means so much more to us. And if we believe he existed for the divine purpose of restoring us to God, then what does the restoration of our life look like to God? And so we must believe if he did that, then we must believe in what he did and how it applies to our life. And when we do... It changes everything. It changes everything. Every strategy that the enemy brings against you is no longer now a complaint or a worry or a stressor, but it's a place where we understand what you have done in the past you cannot do Because my faith is not in what is happening to my life. It is what has already happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My life is contained in that place of the death, burial, and resurrection. Not in what is happening all around me, but what is happening in me that will begin to happen through me to affect what's happening around me. And so often, even as believers, we live backwards. What's happening around us begins to affect what is going into us, what affects what is happening in us we get stressed we get worried but God says if we just reverse that and see what the death burial and resurrection of Jesus has done in us and we allow it to work through us we begin to affect what's around us See the eternal plan of God rather than letting everything around us become what dictates to our life because that's what the enemy wants to do that's what's happening to everyone who is without Jesus they're dictated to, Ephesians 2 says, by the prince of the power of the air. He's the one who works in those who are the offspring of Adam's disobedience. But we no longer live that way. Why? Because we've been born again of God's spirit. Now we don't live from the outside in, but we live from the inside out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know what that was for, but Ephesians, or Hebrews chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, or the speaking of God, that you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I believe that God is bringing us to a time that when we run into people who don't know Jesus, who are struggling in the world, who the enemy has attacked in their life, we are able to stop and tell them, teach them, if you will, that this is what Jesus has done for you and this is an effect that will take place in your life. Instead, we're, we're intimidated, we draw back, we may be fearful and say, listen, I, I can't teach somebody till, they te- till I get taught more. And he says, wait a minute, there's a vicious cycle of only needing to be taught and never actually putting what you're taught into practice. Right? So he says, we'll always really be coming and, and trying to say, I need a little bit more, and once I get a little bit more. But he says, all of a sudden, when we take what we're learning and we put it into practice. We become a doer of the word. It says there's a maturity that begins to grow. There's something, that a revelation that begins to become uh, notable in our life that, you know what, what I'm living is what I can share with people, and it will change their life. He said by reason of use. The word of God is useful. It's not just a religion. When we embrace it on the inside of it, it is useful to us for eternal life and for the God kind of life. And so often we're just, you know, we're coming to hear another message. But he says, if you'll take that message and not just be a hearer of it, but a doer of it, figure out, ask God, how can I apply that to my day-to-day life? Uh, You know, even as Alan was saying, we can go out and say, you know what? I'm just gonna complain about the government, complain about the weather, complain about stuff. But God says, you know what? If you complain and murmur and complain, I can't do anything with that. He says, but if you'll acknowledge me, if you'll rejoice in what has been done, if you'll be thankful, I'll get in on that. And so even that, how do I, how do I take what Alan said and apply it? Well, you'll be, I'll, I guarantee you, before you get out of these doors, you'll get to apply that. I mean, your coffee might not be hot enough. They might run out of donuts with Sprinkles. You know, you might walk out and it might be a little bit too breezy. Or, dear Lord, it's, it's March and it's not supposed to be this hot. And instead, you could just say, thank God for speaking into my life. Thank God for the people who are around me. Thank God I'm not alone in this Christian walk. Look at all these people. And there's even more that we don't see. All of a sudden, you can put it to practice. Amen. So, verse 1 of chapter 6 is therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ. The Message Bible says the preschool teachings. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Again, he says, listen, this is the foundational stuff. We should be building on this stuff. Our life should be different. We shouldn't be debating all of these things. 2,000 years later, we're still debating these things. He said we should be going on to doing these things and seeing what it take, what takes place in our life, what we built upon and what, how we built upon that, and seeing eternal life flourish, seeing the life of God and the expression of the power of God through our lives be manifest... Knowing that if we take a step, there's a firm foundation on what we built upon. See, so often we're afraid to reach out because what if it doesn't work out? Which means my foundation, I'm not sure about my foundation to to grow and to step out just a little bit more. To share with people, to pray with people, to to believe God in in certain certain situations and circumstances. Because I'm not sure about my foundation. But he says, once we've laid a good foundation, we're building on it. We're not just returning and tearing it up and laying it again and tearing it up and laying it again. But we know, as Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep, to guard that which I've committed unto him until that day. So he said, the first thing, the very foundational principle is repentance from dead works which just means you're going this direction. It's not how sorry you are you got caught, how sorry you are you made a mistake. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have. Please forgive me. No, repentance is I've been going a place that isn't working out my way, my decisions, my things, doing what, what, what the world does, following the dictates that are brought to, to me by the world, and I'm turning from my way, my decisions, my thoughts, my choices, and I'm repenting and I'm turning to him. So he says, repentance from dead works, or in other words, doing everything my way to accomplish, and I'm turning to him, faith in God. And faith in God is so incredibly important. There's things about faith in God that we want to know, that my faith is not in the promises, but in the Promiser. So often we get deterred in our faith because we keep looking at the promise and believing in the promise Instead of the promiser. When Abraham went twenty-five years without having the son that God promised, it said he didn't get weak in faith, but he encouraged himself, he strengthened himself in faith. How did he do that? Not how did he do that? Um, <laughs> the interpretation to that tongue is: how did he do that? How did he do that? He didn't say, well, there's no son yet. Guess God must have been wrong. Where's that promise? Where's that son? Come on, God, where's that son? No, he said he strengthened himself, knowing that God, the promiser, was able to perform that which he promised. And It's very easy to get a promise from God and get your eyes off of the promiser, Onto the promise, to get your eyes on whether I'm healed or not, rather than the healer; whether I'm provided for or not, provided for or not, rather than getting my eyes on the provider; whether I'm at peace or not in my life, rather than getting my eyes on the peace giver. Right. So it's so important for us to understand that faith is not, I've just got my faith in this promise. Because when we get our faith in the promise, then we start setting the timeline when we need the promise, when God should perform that, when God should do that. And all of a sudden, there's this subtle twist that no longer is he God, but we're God. We're telling him who it needs to be done for, where it needs to be done, why it needs to be done, and when it needs to be done for us to be successful in life. And it seems strange. It doesn't seem, no, no, I serve God. But it's a subtle twist. And it really starts when we get our eyes off of the promiser and onto simply the promise. So he says it's faith in God. There is an aspect that we grow and we believe in the promise of God. We believe that there is healing, but we believe and know more where it comes from than the manifestation of it. And it will always come to that manifestation. Why? Because the promiser is always able to perform that which he promises. When we understand and our faith is in God, that the love that turns in our heart for other people as we develop in this eternal life. The love doesn't become because I'm such a loving person. This greater love comes because of the one who loved me. And I put faith in his love for me. And if I truly believe in that, it's not hard for me to take that love and love others with it. The peace that I have is not something that I could manufacture. The peace that I have is not peace that the world can give. It's only what Jesus can give. It's a peace that passes all understanding, and it guards my heart and my mind. It's something that he does, so I must believe him, that he's the prince of my peace, that he is the lover of my soul, that he is the one that brings joy, and it's not joy like man can have. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. We turn away from our ways and what we can manufacture and what we think about what God should do, and we just turn and believe God. We trust God for everything that we have need of because he said that everything that we have need of that pertains to life and godliness of his own glory, of his own virtue, of his own decision-making, he has provided every good and perfect gift for us to enjoy And in him, there is no variation. There is no shadow of turning. If he gave Jesus so we could experience a new life and an abundant life, that he will give us everything concerning that abundant life. But we must not try to manufacture it in our own thinking, in our own way. It comes by putting faith in Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? Come on. God is good. His mercy endures forever. So really, faith is not something, you know, as we look at it, faith is not something. So often we're like, all right, all right. You said that, Pastor Mark, this morning. I heard that. I heard that. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that faith thing. And I'm going to see if it works. Well, you missed it. Faith is not something you try to see if it works. Faith is something you live by until you see the manifestation. So Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 says, now the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In other words, how many of you have been justified by the blood of Jesus? You've been forgiven, you've been redeemed. So he says, if you have been justified by faith in God, if you are the justified, then you don't try faith. You live by faith every single day. Faith is a Aspects, faith is a quality that God has brought to us through his word that, and given us the ability that once we believe it, it's something that we live by, not something that we're just trying. It's something that we allow to come in and the spirit of God to work in us that we live by. So Paul said this in Galatians chapter 2 in verse 20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live But it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live. In other words, once we make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, we begin to live a different kind of life and a different quality of life. The thing that he said, the life that I now live, denotes that he was living a different kind of life without Jesus we make Jesus the Lord of our life, he has an intent that we live a different kind of life and a different quality of life. And he said, the life that I now live, this different kind and quality of life, this life that has the quality of the resurrection, the the life that is the post-resurrection life of Jesus Christ, this life that I have received by faith in Jesus, he said, this life that I now live, I live I live, I don't try to, I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. This life, well, I'm not living that. I, I mean, I've been going to church, I'm not living that life. But we have faith in the Son of God. The enemy's always coming against your faith. The enemy's always testing your faith. The enemy knows if you truly get faith in God, he's lost. So he's always bringing the question, he's always bringing the strategy to get you say, well... But when we say, no, I believe God. I believe what God has done for me. We begin to walk in a different place and a different kind of faith. Faith is the very foundation or substance of your expectation. Come on, when your expectation for life isn't founded in what Jesus has done for you, then you have a false expectation. Pastor Marshall Townsley said this years ago, disappointment comes from unfounded expectation. And sometimes when we get our faith on the promise instead of the promiser, We change what we think the promise should be. We adapt the promise to fit my situation for my particular desire, and all of a sudden it doesn't happen, but our foundation, our, our, our expectation was not founded. We turned it to be founded on what I wanted it to be rather than what he promised it to be. But we have faith in his ability, we have faith in his promise, and we rest upon that no matter what we see, if we don't get into what I don't have but what I do have in Christ Jesus, that we will encourage our faith and say, just like Abraham did, he's the promiser, and he's able to perform exactly what he promised. Not what I promised myself he promised me, but exactly what he promised me. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's also the evidence of what you don't see. In other words, the promises of God create and build an expectation. Now I'm expecting some things to flow through this life. But I haven't yet seen what it is to be. He said, we don't quit because we haven't seen it yet. He said, I have an expectation, but I continue in faith until I see the manifestation. See, so many times Christians quit at the expectation. Well, I was expecting it. I was expecting it. I, I confessed that 42 times yesterday, and by the end of the day, it didn't come about. I guess it's not working. No, he says, once that builds that expectation, you stay with expectation. Because if it's a true expectation, just like Abraham, he had a true expectation developed. So it didn't matter that 10 years went by and 20 years went by and two years went by. He was still expecting that God would perform that which he promised. And 25 years later, they had a son. And he was the son of promise, just as the promiser had promised. And if he would have got off, he would have reasoned in his mind. When you read Genesis, you're like, wow, this is taking a long time. But when you read what God said in Romans chapter 4, it said he didn't waver at the promise of unbelief. But what was God waiting for? God never waits like we think God is waiting just to punish us. God was waiting because Sarah was not able to have children, but Abraham was. That became evident because they had Ishmael. What was God waiting for? God was waiting for Abraham to not be able to have a son as well as Sarah, because if Abraham could pull it off himself, then he would get part of the glory. But God said, I'll wait until everything has been laid down at my feet, and then I'll bring it to pass just as I've promised. He said, I'll do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. And so sometimes we're waiting, going, God, why don't you do this? I would have done this by now. And he said, that's right. You would have done what you could do. But what am I waiting for? Not for what you can do or what you think I should do, but I'm waiting for it to be perfectly positioned to do in your life what only I can do. He said, well, I don't know about that. Well, it's the moment that happens once, you'll say, ah, I get it. And I'm not putting my faith in something else. Put my faith in God. Amen. So where do we, what, what do we know about this faith? Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, You will be saved. So he says, What is this about this faith? Faith is in your heart and in your mouth. Faith is in your heart and in your mouth. Faith is in your heart and in your mouth. Your mouth is a locator of what's in your heart. Your mouth is a locator of what's in your heart. So if you say, praise the Lord, God supplies all my need, and then you go home and hear gas prices went up another 20 cents. Oh, my God, how are we ever going to pay for that? Then your faith isn't in him supplying all your need. So have you ever reacted? Yes, but it locates. We need to get back to, whoa, look at those guys. gas Thank God you supply all of my need. Come on, Tasha and I are encouraging one another's faith in this time. Because you'll hear something and go, Pfft. and we're just having to encourage one another. If we hear something come out like that, oh, how... God supplies all of our need. Jesus is the healer. Come on. Good word. Come on. Our, our faith has to be in that, not in the things around us. Just like Alan said, God's working. It's an in, it, it, when you know this is my foundation, you can build on it, right? So well, I've got a foundation of faith. Well, now's the time to start building something that looks different than what everybody else is building. It's time to build this life of faith in God that'll be noticed and recognized. So, I want to just share with you five things. You're already five important things about faith. There's so many things, but I want to just share with you five things uh, I believe that will help us. It'll put you in there. Number one faith accesses the grace of God. Faith accesses the grace of God. I like what one, one person said grace makes it all available, faith makes it possible. In other words, what we couldn't do, God did. He made everything that pertains to life and godliness available through the power of Jesus Christ, not that we earned it ourselves, not that we could earn it, but God supplied it, but we have to believe him for it. So grace makes it available, faith makes it possible. Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse four, says this, but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of the great love, his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. He also raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us. That are in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. By grace, that unmerited favor, the ability of God, and a divine influence that is in your heart that affects your life. Grace in its fullness makes everything possible, faith or available, faith makes it possible. So listen to what Romans says, Romans starting in chapter 4. We'll go into verse 5. It says, but also for for us, he's talking about Abraham and his faith. Was it just given to Abraham? No, it was also given to us. That it should be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He said these things he's talking about are ours if we have faith in the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Who was delivered up because of our offenses. Listen, this is what happened. God delivered Jesus up to death because of our offenses. But he raised him because of our justification. He sent him the cross because of our sin, but he raised him so that we could be justified, redeemed, and made righteous. That's how much God loves us. He said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. He said, listen, this grace is so amazing. Grace doesn't just cover and say, oh, it's no big deal that you sin. Grace is an empowerment that comes upon you in times of need to help you. He said, listen, by the blood of Jesus, you and I have access to this throne of grace where God sits, the giver of grace. We have access to come to obtain mercy, forgiveness of our sin. But before we leave, to find grace, to do what? To help us in our time of need. He said, if grace is accessed by faith, we show up and believe that we have faith in God's ability, not faith in our mistake or faith in what we've done right or faith in our works. No, we've turned from that. We're not saying, God, you should do this for me because I've come to church and I've prayed and I've done this. We come and say, God, you promised this and I don't see it. And I'm not telling you everything that I've done, but I'm telling you everything that Jesus has done for me. And on the basis of his blood sacrifice, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that he paid the price for my sin so that doesn't disqualify, my sin doesn't disqualify me because he already paid for it. And he raised so I could be redeemed, paid for, ransomed out of that sin into your life. And so on the basis of what you've done, I'm looking for the grace to help me. So I'm putting my faith in you and my trust in you. So number one, faith accesses the grace of God. Number two, faith in Jesus is the only way to eternal life. I know people want to say, well, I've done some good things. Faith in Jesus is the only way. John three sixteen. you all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have ever lasting life, have that God quality of life. Jesus said that there is no, in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our faith in Jesus Christ actually accesses a grace and it accesses this eternal life. It accesses the God kind of life. It's not, I'm accessing something that just enhances my life and puts sprinkles on it. As Pastor Mark said last Sunday, But it's eternal life. It's the God kind of life with the God kind of power, with the God kind of righteousness, all those things, the God kind of life. How do I get that? By faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ. Not in what I can do, but what he's already done that empowers me to do what he wants me to do next. Come on, there's a next for you. There's something next You haven't lived it all out yet. I don't care how old you are. You haven't lived it all out yet. There's a next. There's something that God has for you. There's somebody that God has for you to shine light on their life. There's a place that God has somebody for you to pray for, somebody for you to share with, somebody for you to be significant in their life. There's a next for you. No matter where you've been, there's a next. And so we keep looking back at what we've done, but when we look at what he's done for us, it prepares us and empowers us for what's next. Number three, by faith we have victory. By faith we have victory over everything that comes in the world. Your faith is your victory, not your struggle. Your faith is your victory. See, the enemy is going to try to convince you that you are a victim. You're a victim of somebody else's uh, a strong will. You're an, a victim of, uh, of society's deals. You're a victim of the government. You're a victim. But you are not a victim. You are a victor. Well, why is all this happening then? Listen, if nothing happens, you can't have victory. Well, I'm a victor. Have you had any challenges? No, isn't that great? God's never, there's been no challenge. Well, how great a victor are you then? And that's what happens many times. People are like, oh, I got the victory of Christ when it's easy. And the moment there's a challenge, because their faith is in how good things are going, not Jesus. But when trials come and difficulties come, and you say, listen, Jesus is already raised from the dead. And his victory is my victory. I'm not putting faith in what I've done or what I'm about to do. I'm putting faith in what he's already done and he's raised from the dead and he's led captivity captive and he led every principality and every power in a triumphal parade declaring to the whole world that he was Lord and master in his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's my master and if he's conquered principalities and powers then what the enemy's trying to do for me has already been won. And I put faith in his victory, my victory. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says this: Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. How do you know you love God? Uh. Oh god, do I have to do that? Oh god, really? Oh god, I have to love those people? Oh my god. I got to go to church. Oh my Oh my god, I got to give. Man, if you're like that, you you have a question, do I love God? He said, when you know you love God is when you're like, whoo, come on, baby. We get to go to church this morning. We get to fellowship with believers. Whoo, we get an opportunity to declare that God is my provider and God is my source. Man, I have a good, I mean, what an opportunity to love people. Every time somebody wrongs you, whoo, glory to God. I have an opportunity to forgive. He says, that's when you know you got this love of God. When the commandments, what he told you to do as a believer, don't become like, ah, ah, ah. Because when you get like that, ah, uh, you're saying, I don't have the strength. But when you say, whoo, here's the opportunity. I believe you for the strength to do what I'm needing to do right now. All right. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Say, I'm an overcomer. overcomer. Say, I'm I'm an overcomer. He says, and this is the victory that has overcome. This is the victory that has already overcome the world, our faith. Come on, if we can just get to that place of faith, it's already overcome. Jesus has already overcome. So our faith put in him is already overcoming faith. Number four. Wow, I should be to number four by now. Um, it's by faith that we resist the devil. Come on, the devil's out there. He's real. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. In other words, the devil is a liar, and he's the father of it. When he comes to you, whether it's circumstantial or a voice in your head, he's lying to you. How am I going to resist him? Because I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to believe the truth. And so when he tells me a lie, and it seems to make sense, I'm going to stand back and say, wait a minute, that's not what God said to me. I'm going to resist this lie. How am I going to do it? By believing the truth. This is very simple. Let me just give you a simple victory, a simple note of victory. When the enemy comes and says, did you see what that person did to you? Did you see that? Or, you know, you're going out here. And you know your fellow believer goes out this exit, and you're about to go out that exit, and you're starting to pull out, and they don't give you space, and they, whew, and you're like, "Hey, cut me off!" In traffic, ah, they're supposed to be Christians. They're supposed to yield to me. And the devil says, "They don't care about you." You can either say, "That's right." They, if they cared about me, they would. Eat. No, that's a lie from the devil you have to say, you know what, I resist the temptation to think they don't care about me. And I believe that God loves me. And I believe that his love is in people. And they might not have seen me, they might have made a mistake, but I refuse to believe they do not love me. That's how you resist him. And when you do that, when you just say that, I refuse to believe that God loves me. And because of that, there's people that love me, the people of God love me. And I resist the devil. You just won. You just won. I know it sounds too simple, too ordinary, but you just won. That cut the enemy off in his plan to take you in a direction that nobody loves me, everybody hates me. To say, I won't believe that. So how can you believe people love you? Because God loves me. All right. Number five. Wrapping her up. Through faith, we inherit the promise. Come on, it's through faith. Every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in Christ. So our belief in what Christ has done for us, everlasting through every circumstance, through every situation, we return to I believe that God sent Jesus to die for me. That what he's doing, he's doing, he's done to affect my marriage, to affect my children, to affect my job, to affect my body, to affect my spirit, to affect my emotions, to affect my thinking. He's done something brand new for my life to change my direction, to change my thoughts, to change how I view other people in my life and my relationships. He's done everything to change my life. I must believe in him. And though I must be patient, faith always believes so I can patiently wait till the promise manifests. Hebrews 6.12 says this, that you do not become sluggish. (sighs) Maybe, maybe not. He says, don't do that. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. Inherited the promise. Come on. So we have this great faith. We've turned from our way to God's way, and it's awesome. He said every day there's a faith that needs to be communicated. How do we communicate that faith? Philemon chapter, there's just one chapter, verse 6, says that the communication of your faith may become effective by acknowledging every good thing, every good thing. Everybody say good thing. Not every bad thing around you, but acknowledging every good thing. Well, wait a minute. How can I acknowledge good things when there's bad things? By acknowledging the good thing instead of the bad thing. Acknowledging what you have instead of what you don't have. Come on. It gets to be sometimes, some days challenging. You know, God uh, dealt with me at the beginning of this year. He said, I want you to do one of those uh, gratitude journals. My youngest daughter did one at one time. I've heard about them. Um I thought I was thankful. You know, some mornings I just wake up and I just have to say, I'm thankful that I am even awake right now. Because I don't feel like I want to be awake. I don't feel like anything else except for I'm awake. Thank God I'm awake. I can move from that. Thank God I'm alive. Thank God. I have a godly wife. Thank God for my girls. Thank God. And all of a sudden you start thanking and it starts rolling. And the more you thank God for what you have, the more your faith starts to get energized. The moment you're like, man, I wish I wasn't awake. My God, I wish I could sleep longer. I don't even feel like getting up today. Oh, my God, what's in my day anyway? Oh, God, I got to do all this stuff. Oh, if I could just stay in bed.
1: What? No, I got to get
0: up. I got to go to work. I got to deal with those people. Oh, my God. Well, how's your faith in God getting going? Well, you start thanking God for what he's done. You start saying, man, I'm ready to go to work because I I believe God's got something for me today. I believe God's got a a divine appointment for me today. I believe God's going to fulfill some promises in my life today. He said, we start acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ. It starts to make our faith communicable to others. And boy, I'll tell you what, you get that foundation. Watch what starts, you start building on that faith with no concern it's ever coming down it's going to be built to the glory of God God's going to give you the material it's going to be awesome why don't you stand up Father we thank you we praise you and we magnify you thank you that you've dealt to each and every one a measure of faith giving us the ability to receive and to believe that which you've said unto us I pray over each one here Holy Spirit that you have a divine encounter you begin to work with each and every one. That as we go from here, we don't start determining everything we want to do, but we begin to say, listen, I'm I'm putting my belief, my faith in God. That you begin to bring to remembrance things that you've spoken to them, promises that you have declared to them. You, you bring us to your word that we truly might look. You bring us in our hearts to a revelation that Jesus truly is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And because you sent him to die for us, raised from the dead and be seated. There is so many things for us to participate in through the kingdom of God because of redemption. Right now, no matter what's going on around us, in us and through us, there's tremendous life, tremendous power available by your grace. Help us to understand how we access it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Bark seeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.